What Do You Do Podcast with Matt Now. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the What Do You Do Podcast. It's been a while. I'm Matt, your host, along with my boy here, Al. Al, how's it going? I'm doing good, and it's great to be back from this uh, unexpected vacation. Yeah, well, we were, you know, busy doing other stuff. That's for a right. while, a YouTube stuff we're working on that'll be in the new year. But anywho, our guest today is the author of Grow With Your Baby, Seven Lessons on How to Embrace Change and Overcome Your Fears About Losing Your Personal Identity from an Unplanned Pregnancy. Moen Zafar was born in China, raised in Pakistan, and born again in Canada. In this book, he shares the unique perspectives on the emotional challenges of young parenthood and life in general. Moen believes incredible introspection into one's habits can lead to incredible healing. He sees the potential in everyone to be extraordinary, and he wants his work to stand a testament to that statement. Moen, great having you here. How are you doing? Hey, uh, thanks for that introduction. Uh, it's wonderful to be here. I'm doing great. Excited to be here. Nice. So what what uh, inspired you to uh, write this book? Ooh, great question. So um, as you can see from the cover, there's a picture of my daughter there. She's so beautiful, she, by the she way. Was a, oh, thank you. So she was uh, she was the main source. But uh, what was going on other than that in my life at the time? Um, uh, so I found out that I was going to be a father when I was still in university. I had about a year to go. Uh, so I initially went for human resources. But that's not what I graduated with. I ended up graduating with a humanities degree. Yeah, nobody ever, and, uh, ever ends up graduating for what they went in for. Yeah. <laughs> so what, 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 uh, before we get back to the story, what kind of got you to go from HR to humanities? Was it the whole aspect of learning of becoming a dad that transitioned you in, in, in that path? Uh, yeah, for sure. So uh, I'll tell you why I got into HR first. Um, so uh, my thing was that I wanted to avoid mathematics as much as I could. And then um, I looked at the course outline for HR and that it had the least amount of math. So <laughs> that was my motivation to, to get into HR. <laughs> and um, so what ended up happening was over the course of, I think, two years, I started to find out that HR for me was very dry and I, w- I would get really bored and I was not really interested in it at all. And what happens um, when you take out the math. <laughs> you would, you would, you would think not, but. Um, you know, I was I was surprised, and uh, so so uh, I was I was in this, and I was thinking about uh, things like you know, okay, so I'm in this in this human resources degree. This is what my career path looks like, and this is what can happen in the next three to five years. And uh, so I would get really bored thinking about all that stuff because I was more curious and interested in questions about purpose and meaning and identity. So I remember uh, one time I was in, in a cafeteria at York and I was just watching students rush to classes, coming out of classes and going to the next class. And then I just uh, thought to myself, is that really all there is? Because after this, it's just going to work, coming back from work, taking care of your family. So I just sort of got into a little bit of depression thinking about all of this. And I didn't really want to complete my undergraduate degree anymore. And I was like, this just can't be it anymore. And then while I was going through this thought process, I found out I was going to be a father. Boom. 
So I was initially thinking about how to tell my parents that I didn't want to graduate with human resources anymore. And then now all of a sudden I had to share with them that, by the way, you know how you sent me to a different country to, to get a degree and get a job there? Well, now I'm also becoming a father. Unplanned, by the way. <laughs> so, you okay, your parents do not live here in Canada? <laughs> they do not. Where do they live? My uh, so my mom uh, and dad are from Pakistan. Yep. But uh, I was I was born in China, so we were in China for I think three years, and then uh, we moved back to Pakistan. And then my dad still works in China, and he sort of travels back and forth. And uh, yeah, he would be he would spend most of his time in China, and he would be around uh, you know a couple times a year to visit us. So then you met you met a, a Canadian girl. Uh, yeah, so I met a Canadian girl at York University. Um, it was uh, at uh, resident housing. And uh, I would initially go there to see my friends. And there was this girl there who uh, um, who I was really curious about at first. And then initially, we just started um, talking and there was a party and we got to know each other better. And then and, you knocked yeah. her up. <laughs> <laughs> well, not right away. Not right away. That was a, that was a year later. But yeah, it did eventually happen. <laughs> so then you're, 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 you you now have, you know, you're a Canadian girl and you're, you now have a baby on the way. I'm sure that was, how old were you at the time? So at that time I was 25. I just turned 25. I caramba. Yeah, that's kind of young. Al, how, mm-hmm. old, how old were you when you had your first? Uh, let's see when my daughter was born, well, I found out I was 23, but, uh, just turned 24 shortly after she was born. Pretty young, pretty young. Yep. Wow. Right in college as well. So a similar scenario. So then I guess there that was go. a life changing in your head. Yeah. I got a kid on the way. You don't even have your parents to lean on in town. Mm-hmm. What did you do? So I sort of freaked out. <laughs> 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 to, to be honest, I uh, completely shut off. Um, I remember that when I got the news, the phone call, I was actually helping a friend of mine move to a new apartment. And Luara, that's my wife, uh, she called me and she's like, hey, I'm pregnant. And I, I remember I was holding a mattress and I had my headphones on. I was like, um, <laughs> wait, are you, are you sure? She's like, yeah, I took a test, but you know, I'm going to go to the doctor and take another test. And I was like, okay, so we'll wait for that second one, uh, just to be sure. They also complete denial straight off the bat. Oh, yeah, dude, I totally get it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the funny thing is that the friend that I was helping move, I didn't say a word to to him. (laughs) Still in Uh, shock. I helped him move. (laughs) Yep, yep. I I wrapped up the move. I came back home, and I was like, okay, so this is happening. And that sort of uh, actually spiraled for about two months. Um, uh, I kept it to myself and there was a funny situation sort of developing because Luara told uh, some of her friends and um, I didn't tell anyone, but we had some mutual friends. So right. I would go hang out uh, with, with the same people and there, there came a point where I knew that they already know, <laughs> but we, we weren't really talking about it because they were kind of, I guess, waiting for me to say, say something yeah. and come to terms with it. But eventually, and, I, I, I'm, and I'm glad someone did ask me, he's like, hey, man, uh, we heard that you're going to be a father and you act like, uh, you know, you're not freaking out at all. So what's going on? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so and, uh, are you, 
and I have to ask this because like, are you guys religious? I think the Ooh, point yeah, of my good question. Why did you abort? Mm, so yeah, so that was uh, initially. Um, I thought that was an option, so I did uh, suggest that to to Laura at the time, and she was absolutely against it. Okay, and fair yeah, enough. And I I had no further say. I was like, okay, no, you, know, you don't. You have a dick. <laughs> you have no say in the matter. Pretty much, exactly. Yeah, it's yep. their choice yep. completely. Mm-hmm. But I think it's an uh, yeah, interesting that's... conversation to have because, it, it, you know, it, it. I know myself, having been in that situation as well, as you start thinking about it, it's like, okay, my life as I know it is about to change. I currently have no major responsibility other than trying to get out of school, you know, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden this, you know, this news comes to me that, wow, I've got to care for somebody else now and raise them and look after, you know, their well-being. So it's, it's you know, you're... you're life starts flashing in front of your eyes. So I can kind of relate to the fact that you went insular for a while to try and absorb and, and get through the shock yourself. But definitely you, you do start thinking some pretty in, uh, crazy things when you're going through those moments. And definitely oh. that is one question that I went through as well. And But you clearly chose to step up, mm. Moen. Yes, correct. Oh, yes, eventually. <laughs> <laughs> um so my my biggest fear was obviously my parents and uh, they they sent me to another country to sort of study and you know make a living make a name for myself and uh, you know and I actually didn't um, you know I hadn't finished doing that and I was still sorting myself out there and still scared to talk to them even about you know I'm not sure what I want to do and then on top of that I have to share this with them. Um, yeah, no. So that was definitely a challenge. Um, so yeah, that that came up when we were, you know, thinking about getting married. And my parents wanted uh, it to be, you know, totally Muslim. And her her family, they were kind of more open about it, um, as opposed to you know my my family. Yeah. So there was definitely a challenge there that we had to overcome. But, you know, Laura and I, we had, you know, when we met, and this is something that we bonded over, is the aspect that we didn't really follow any religion per se, but we were both spiritual, you know? Yep. And uh, um, that's how we uh, sort of plan on raising our daughter, you know, letting her know about everything that exists. And uh, also letting her know that, you know, it's her choice that she doesn't really have to follow you know, a certain set of religious rules to be spiritual, then she can be spiritual without, you know, having a religion. Well, that's it's kind of what I got from the book when I was reading the book. I'm like, well, if he's from Pakistan, he must be Muslim. I'm not sure what his wife is, but you don't really push any sort of religion in here. It's more of just a, a spiritual look, uh, outlook to it all. Yeah, and it was sort of a, a transition that I went through when I actually came to Canada. When I was there, when when I came to Canada, I was still, you know, very Muslim. Uh, I used to go pray uh, at the center in uh, the very home. They used to have Friday prayers. Mm-hmm. And over the course of, uh, I think, about two years is when when I actually started transitioning into, well, not transitioning, but started questioning more uh, of the things that was taught to me by religion. You know, all this uh, division that you know. It's almost uh, as if, you know, you, it's not just Muslim people, but almost every religion, they consider themselves almost like superior to the others. Yeah. Or the any others. Other. Yeah. Yeah. My God is right. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly. the problem with and, belief know, systems. 
exactly. You know, we're going to have them. They're going to help. Don't worry about it. And I thought there was something fundamentally wrong with that. And I was like, how is that possible that, and, you know, I was born um, without a religion, but this is something that was imposed on me. And same with everybody else, you know, different parts of the world. And how can you just grow up and say that, oh, you know, just because they were born there and they had this religion thrown on them, they get to go to hell or having like, what is that about? And then from then started sort of uh, my curiosity into reading more about, you know, history, how religion came about. I took more courses uh, that sort of uh, attended to that gap in knowledge that I was trying to peek at. And that's where uh, humanities came in because they tackled history, they tackled culture, they tackled, uh, you know, philosophers and psychologists like Carl Jung, Joseph Campbell, which, you know, I felt at home uh, reading uh, their theories and their philosophies. And um, that's sort of uh, how I evolved from being a Muslim boy from Pakistan to someone that was more spiritual now and more open. Very interesting. So in your in your new household now, what would you raise your daughter as? Like, what would you teach her? Mm. So... This is something that uh, my wife and I still still go over because we don't really have uh, a religion, but we do have spiritual practices. Like uh, I meditate uh, almost every day. Um, I have um, a set of affirmations that I do. Um, There's a certain uh, moral principles that we follow, you know, stealing is bad, lying is bad, all that stuff that religion teaches you. But you don't really need religion to teach you that, right? No, it's just it's called just being cool. moral. Being a good person. <laughs> yeah. Being a good I, person. I was raised with absolutely no religion. My mom was against it. But she always said, hey, if you want to look into it, go nuts, right? And I'm a bit mm-hmm. of a history guy and an observer of everything. So don't tell me. Like, cool. I, I wouldn't say I'm not spiritual, but I was never raised with any laws like that. And I, I, I'd i say I'm a decent person. I'm a bit of an asshole, but I'd say it all around. I'm, <laughs> well, you I, call I, it like it is. And if yeah. that makes you an asshole, then I guess that makes you an asshole. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so getting back to the book, Grow yeah. With Your Baby, I liked your the way you, it's sort of like a metaphor of looking through young eyes and then looking back at yourself. Mm-hmm. Am I capturing that properly? Yes, exactly. Um, so it's yeah. Even from the uh, the point that I actually had to you know gather up courage and talk to my parents about it, that was in itself a growing experience for me because I was I was you know you could say I was paralyzed, you know, shocked and scared because this was unknown territory and I didn't know what to do. And in order for me to grow, I had to take action, which was talk to my parents about it or you know take the next step. What, what, what did they say when you first told them? It all ranged from being, uh, you know, um, they were disappointed, you know, mad, angry. This was the initial reaction, which was kind of expected. And, you know, in, in Muslim tradition, you're not really allowed to have relations outside of marriage. Yeah. So and Same with do, Catholicism, you know, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then if you do, it's, 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 you know, almost like, you know, you've dishonored you know, the family. Or, wow. Or, yeah. So it was, it was a huge deal. So yeah, I initially, I, you know, I mustered up the courage, you know, and I had support of good friends, which I'm really grateful for to help me through this process because I know I definitely could not have done this alone. And uh, one thing that I would encourage other people to do who 
in difficult situations is to reach out for support. It's one thing to you know, sit down and process the emotions and come to terms with it. But there comes a point where you're just uh, thinking about it over and over again and it sort of gets bigger and bigger and starts to overwhelm you. And that's when it gets dangerous. That's where you sort of get paralyzed. And that's where you need uh, you know, a good support system of friends and family. And I was lucky because friends reached out to me and got the ball rolling. But uh, yeah, definitely, if you're in a difficult situation, don't think that you have to go do it all by yourself. You can always talk to people, ask for help. And that is in itself a growing experience. Did your so, parents come around eventually? Or like they cool with it now? Yeah, they eventually came around. Uh, took uh, took them about a month. That's so I found out. Yeah, I found out I was going to be a parent in August. I told them about, you know, September, in October, about a month and a half. And then they took about a month. And um, we uh, ended up getting married in December. Nice. I, uh, I'm, yeah. curi- I'm curious about something. So yeah. uh, your father-in-law, your, your wife's dad, did he sit down with you and say, hey, uh, so uh, what are you going to do to take care of my daughter? And you're going to get a job or, you know, did you get that kind of treatment um, from, <laughs> from your in-laws <laughs> or anything like that? Because I, I, I know me, you know, having a 23-year-old daughter, if she ever came home pregnant, that <laughs> one of the first things on my mind would be like uh, thinking, where is he? Where is he? <laughs> and uh, how is he going to take care of my girl here and stuff like that? So, um, you know kind of question to you is like how did you get any kind of grief g- grief or pressure or any kind of you know drama from your in-laws you know what um th- i never really thought about it but no i never really got any sort of pressure from them they weren't like, like oh, you gotta marry my daughter or, or they shot dude they're colombian they can have them disappear <laughs> <laughs> exactly right um, you know, her, her dad, uh, he, uh, he sort of lived in Colombia on a farm and, um, he wasn't here at that time, but he came for the wedding and her mom was here. Her brother was here and she has, uh, you know, her, her sister and her cousin. So, uh, we actually went, uh, camping in, uh, I think about September and that's when she told everyone of her family, and we were we went to Algonquin, uh, Algonquin Park. Yep. And we camped out, and that's where everyone found out, and uh, that's where you know some of them spoke with me, and they're like, "Hey, you know, you're becoming a dad. You gotta be more responsible now. You gotta take care, um, you know, Zawara and the baby that's coming." I couldn't imagine and, that at what twenty four, twenty five. Like when I was twenty four, twenty five. Ugh. There's no way. Like, I don't, I, I still, I'm 45 now and I still have no kids, but that was a life choice I made where I just, mm. you know, I don't, I, I, I can barely take care of myself <laughs> to actually have the responsibility of a little child with like, no, I'd fuck it up. Yeah. It's a huge responsibility, man. Even my friends now who think about having kids, I tell them, you know what, do your thing first, figure, figure out what you want to do. And, you know, kids, kids can wait or. You know, it's your choice because it is a huge responsibility. Um, I love my daughter to bits, and she's helping go so much. Well, but, uh, it's a, the funny thing about unplanned pregnancy is, yeah, it's unplanned, and you weren't expecting it. But I haven't yet to meet anyone who's ever regretted the final outcome. 
So I have a few friends that have had like, oh my God, I knocked her up and we're having a kid now. And for the most part, it changes them for the better. I think. Mm -hmm. I I would tend to agree with that statement as well. I look in my circle of, of, of friends and family and things like that and myself included. I mean, it's, I agree. It changes you as an individual and, and you, you need to mature very quickly because you now have this, uh, responsibility that you're, you can't get out of like, this is it for the rest of your life. You're now, uh, tied to this person. So you've ruined your life. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can get out of it if you, if you choose to, because in, in my circle, there have been, uh, people who sort of, uh, just vanished, you know, disappeared. Um, uh, 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 actually, yeah, that's what was, my dad was, did. Hope he hears this. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but you know, you, you can run away from it, or you know, you can embrace it. There, there's a, a a choice there, you know, and depends depends on how much courage you can muster up, and um, how much you can face, and how much support you have. But, uh, you know, not everyone gets married who has a kid because that's uh, a commitment in itself. Some people co-parent, some people, you know, have a kid with someone and then they end up, uh, you know, uh, dating someone else. And there's there's different sort of situations that sort of stem out of it. So the question I wanted to ask you is, so here you are, you're in school, you get the news. You just got back from mm-hmm. a camping trip. You made it back from the camping trip. It's like, I, I don't know, Matt. If, the Colombians did bury him. The Colombians invited you to go camping <laughs> after knocking what, up where? the water. <laughs> Algonquin. <laughs> Nobody's up there. <laughs> so congratulations. You made it back from the camping trip. And all of a sudden, you now have to cope with graduation, uh, you know, getting a, 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 all kinds of stuff ready for the... Uh, the the upcoming event of having a baby and you know all these pressures of life coming at you i guess almost all in one one moment how how did you cope mm-hmm. with that kind of pressure i i don't know to be honest <laughs> but uh it, it all started um let's see so after actually after i talked to my parents about the the pregnancy and then it sort of became easier for me to talk about my troubles with um the degree that I was uh, doing, they almost seemed like minuscule in comparison to the, the pregnancy bit. I was like, well, okay, I told them, you know, I knocked uh, this girl up. And um, yeah, by the way, I, I don't like what I'm studying. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it gave me an opportunity uh, to basically tell them, put everything on the table. Like, okay, this is all that's going on. This is how I feel. And um, so, yeah, I, I changed majors from HR to humanities. I actually had to plan my own wedding um, by myself because nobody was here. Uh, I had my brother here who helped a little bit. But um, I had to find a space, uh, found, a, found a decorator, you know, catering, all that stuff. And, um, yeah, I, um, I was in my final year of university. So with humanities, uh, that thing started in September. I was going to school, and eventually I knew I had to get a job as well. So I applied for a job at a bank in, um, I think was it around November, and I landed a job in December. So after I got married, I had a job, a part-time job at a bank in uh, downtown Toronto, and uh, I was uh, going to school, and uh, I was expecting my daughter to be born in April. 
I was graduating in April, uh, starting a job. So it all seemed like things had aligned up for me in a way. And uh, I remember talking to uh, my friend. Uh, there's uh, there's two friends that are really close to me. I've known them since uh, grade six. So one of them, he lives in London, England. He flew in and uh, one of them lives here. And we actually went to the uh, York University together. And he flew in and uh, they were sort of role models for me because they, you know, they work, uh, they work hard and, you know, they do, uh, they achieve their goals and do what needs to be done. So I remember I was talking to him, uh, we were, we went to Montreal for a little trip and uh, I was like, you know what, I think I have to step up now, uh, I have to, you know, find work, I have to graduate. And he's like, yeah, man, you gotta do these things and it's gonna require you to, to um, be a bit more disciplined than you have been. And uh, we just had that talk. It was a two-minute conversation. Nothing insightful was said, just something, you know, it was laid out plain and simple. And um, after I got married, I just started, you know, doing the work. I think a major shift was, uh, especially the part about uh, studying, that I was actually interested in the courses that I was reading for the first time in my undergraduate career. It's shocking, right? But a lot of us go through uh, through through studies, um, trying to satisfy I don't know dreams of our parents, it's peer pressure, or we have an idea of the amount of money we want to make. But we don't really think about, or at least I didn't, that what I'm actually interested in. And like I already told you, that I was actually looking for things with less math. So what 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 do you do right now? Like, what's your job right now? So right now I work part-time with a small business owner here in uh, Mississauga. He he owns a wellness center, one in Brampton, we're in Mississauga. So it's, uh, they do hypnotherapy and chiropractic services. Oh, wow. So I work, I work part-time with them. And how I met, how I met uh, the owner of this business, his name is Priyan. He's a really good friend of mine now too, is I actually went in for, for hypnotherapy because I needed help. I felt like I needed help uh, with anxiety and um, getting rid of old bad habits, which was procrastination and uh, other things like that. And I was really into uh, working with the subconscious mind and I had an understanding of how hypnotherapy worked and uh, I had never tried it. So I wanted to actually go in on it because it's something that I really believed in and I wanted to try it out. So so I, I, I this is like you're 26, 27, and you clearly have, you know, you, you realizing you have issues in your own head, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And good for you. Like what I did was take more drugs. That, that seemed <laughs> to one work. Way to go. Yeah. Oh, it was a great way to go for a while. <laughs> My main areas of interest are working with the subconscious mind because um, it controls 95% of our behaviors and the conscious mind is 5%. So for me, the only logical thing to do was to work on how to shift the thoughts of the 95% of the subconscious mind so that going to the gym or writing my first book, they sort of become easier for me just because I have 95% of my brain working for me now too. And, you know, most of the beliefs or behaviors um, that we that we acquire come from, you know, ages between zero to seven years old. That's where most of our programs come from. So, you know, your first grade teacher tells you, oh, you know, you suck at math or you suck at drawing. That becomes a program. 
um, your your father gets mad at you and tells you, you know what, um, I don't think you're a responsible kid. You know that becomes a program, and so so everything you absorb by the age of seven that's in the feet of brainwave state, and after that the brainwave state shifts. And then you start becoming aware of the programs that you recorded in the first six years of life. Because before that, you're not really conscious about what you're doing. You're just recording all the rules and the behaviors that you need to operate in this world. And after you've recorded all the rules and behaviors and the knowledge, after six or seven, you become conscious of them. They're like, okay, I know this. This is how you're supposed to operate. Oh, someone told me this is bad. Oh, I got hurt. Um, uh, playing on the swing, so that's a bad program. We're not doing that again. So these sort of become your models of reality that you sort of uh, grow up with, becomes your compass, and then they they become stories, stories become beliefs, and beliefs translate into behaviors, and those are sort of things that um, you have to work on because you have no choice what sort of programs you're recording when you're young. And with hypnotherapy, it gives you some amount of power to change some of these beliefs and programs from disempowering to something that empowers you and helps you achieve the goals that you want to achieve in life. So like writing a book. So what gave you the, the, the balls to first like say, that's it, I'm writing a book about this. People need to know this stuff. Good question. Oh, so it all started when I decided to quit my job. <laughs> So, uh, so I worked at the bank. Uh, my daughter was born in May in uh, 2017. She was two weeks uh, overdue. And uh, my contract ended with the bank in June. They offered me an extension, but I did not take it. And uh, there's a deeper reason as to why, uh, as opposed to me just being lazy. And that was, so when I was young, uh, my dad was mostly away. Um, like I said previously, he was in China. We would see him a couple times a week. And so so um, I, as a kid, I was really upset. And you know, I just wanted to spend time with my dad and I wanted him to be there. And I understand that he was out, you know, making money and, you know, uh, so that I could uh, be here now sitting in Canada. Um, but obviously I didn't understand that when I was a kid. So I made a promise to myself back then that whenever I do have a kid, I would make sure that I am around, um, you know, to play with the kid, to give them memories and, you know, just be there because it's a special moment. It's interesting you say that. And my editor is going to hate me for bringing in my own life. Cause he always yells at me for this. But, uh, the reason <laughs> I didn't have kids was because of the way, uh, my dad was not there. And I thought in my head, I'm going to be the same way. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'll totally ditch out for sure. And that's the reason I stuck by my ground and just didn't like, no, I'm not going to be the same. I'm, I'm ending the, the trail right the here. here. Yeah. But I just, I, right, exactly. I, my brother and sister both have kids, great mm-hmm. parents. You know what I mean? I, maybe I'm wrong, but in my head I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not fucking this up. It's easier just to, you know, not participate. Exactly. And you know, like similar situations, but different, different stories that you created from, from that situation, me and your siblings, you know, and yourself. Um, but yeah, that was sort of my reason as to, um, why I wanted to stay at home. So I didn't take the contract. I stayed at home for a couple of months and, uh, now it was August and, uh, 
I said to myself, okay, now I start I need to start making money. We need money. So I applied to a, jo- uh, a job uh, at CIBC by Young and Finch, North York. I was living in Milton. So that gave me a grand total of a four-hour commute every day. So I enjoyed it for a bit, but I think four or five months into it, the, the routine was sort of working out uh, in a way where I would see my daughter only for an hour each day. And I was getting really sad just thinking about that because this is my first born baby and I'm never going to have a first baby again. And I was like, I have to spend more time with her. I need to. This is a promise that I made to myself. So I applied to another bank closer to Milton. Um, it was a 20-minute commute and if I got it. And so I applied there. I got the job, 20-minute commute. Now I was happy. I was like, okay, everything seems perfect. I'm spending time with my daughter. My commute is shorter. Everything seems to be working out. But two to three months into that, I noticed that whenever I would get close to work, I would start feeling really, really anxious before getting in. And that anxiety sort of grew over the the span of uh, two to three months. And eventually, I remember one time I was working out at the gym. I, I was running at the treadmill. I laid down to catch my breath. And I started crying. And the reason for that crying was I was not happy working at the place that I was working. And it was no longer about spending time spending more time with my daughter is actually about the type of work I was in. And at that point, I knew I had to leave the work that I was uh, doing. So I went home. I talked to my wife, who was you know, incredibly supportive because any other person <laughs> telling their wife they're going to quit their job and don't know where the money's going coming from, I think that's a difficult conversation as is. But Laura was really supportive. And so one day, I just walked up to my manager, and I remember I was shaking because... I was, uh, you know, taking a ride straight into the unknown because I didn't know where the money was coming from. I told my manager, I'm quitting. And, uh, you know, that's it. So I came back home. Um, I was happy. My anxiety sort of uh, started to go away, which was great. But now I had to worry about uh, income. So I had an idea about starting a business online on Amazon. Mm -hmm. So... I, I did that with a with a friend from uh, the bank that I was working in. We started an online store. We had some success with it, but eventually uh, we parted ways. And uh, so I stopped uh, selling things online. And uh, so then... Uh, so at what point did you uh, actually what, sit down and go, that I'm writing a book? Uh, as actually, it was a process. So over the course of months, I would see my daughter, you know, go through different stages, uh, learning how to walk, learning how to crawl learning how to eat with a spoon. And I would get insights uh, whenever I watch her do something. So uh, as opposed to like, uh, watching her just uh, learn how to walk, right? So it, it was a process over months and months. So she would get up and try to stand up and walk each and every day. She would fall. So an hour or two later, she would start doing it again. And I was like, hey, that's interesting. Let me write that down. Um, because... Uh, in our uh, adult life, we try something, we fail at it, and that's it, right? We stop. But here, this, this this little baby, she was just keep going at it with nothing, nobody telling her to keep doing it. It was just like she had this fire inside of her. So things like this, I just started to take notes in my phone, and eventually I had enough notes where I thought to myself, hey, I think I can expand on this and write a book. And so that's where that came from. And eventually, um, 
I usually take some of the, the thoughts that I wrote down and put it into my laptop and just started to create stories around it and a structure began to emerge. And then I was like, okay, am I really writing this book? Who is even going to read this? <laughs> um, but yeah, I just sort of built myself to do it each and every day because whenever I did it, I felt really good. I felt uh, at home. And uh, this was the sort of work I knew that I had to do. Do you think your daughter's going to come to you in 10 years and say, Dad, why was I your guinea pig? <laughs> um, I was, uh, I'm hoping that she says that, Dad, I'm really proud of you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Other than the guinea pig part, although it is, it's a possibility. Yeah, like you would be like, oh, you used me when I was two years old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Dad. <laughs> So Great. it sounds like your wife is very supportive. I mean, that's super awesome, dude. Like you actually knocked up a girl that is cool. So you got I lucky. Know, right? You got real lucky there, mate. <laughs> it doesn't usually work out like that. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that go and do the same thing you did, and and let's just say <laughs> it doesn't work out. <laughs> it doesn't work out that way. <laughs> um, what, what, what's real, what I. The way, what I really liked about how we connected and started talking and, um, you know, leading up to the podcast and this interview was, uh, like I shared with you in, in, in a couple of conversations we had, you know, I, I could relate a lot to your story, having lived similar situations, getting uh, my girlfriend pregnant at the time in school, uh, raising kids, uh, you know, the trials, the tribulations, the challenges, uh, dealing with, you know, in-laws, my own family, everything we discussed today in 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 the podcast, I could relate to. Um, what I think really th surprised myself and Matt was how you were able to go down this 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 bigger journey and going inwards, reflecting inwards upon yourself, and realizing, okay, um, you know, I make promises to myself. I I want to do good things so that I don't repeat mistakes of the past. And I want to make sure that my daughter grows up in a, in a happier life. So what I hope is going to happen when your daughter is 10, 11, 12 years old in the future, and she listens to this podcast, reads your book, comes back and said, Dad, you know what? You're you're really courageous for... Where's my residuals? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where, where's my cut? <laughs> uh, no, but seriously, um, I, I, I'm really hoping that uh, your daughter is going to come back to you and, and be really proud of, of everything that you did to try and improve her situation yeah i'm trying to get her to uh, uh catch her reading early on so she can tell me how proud she is after reading my book <laughs> but <there's> a, <laughs> how old is she right years. now like as of today how old is she she's uh two years seven months interesting wow. um so before we wrap anything up here is there anything we didn't cover that you wanted to get out there Mm, yeah, I'm actually uh, starting my own podcast very soon. It's going to be called The Girl With Me Podcast, so jumping off on the title of the book. And um, I'm putting myself on the cover this time. <laughs> <laughs> so the Grow With Your Child, is that what you said? It's called Grow With Moin Podcast. That uh, Let us know when it's out there and... Uh... We'll have to take a listen to it. I'm curious to see what 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 your format's going to look like. And 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 this book, uh, Moen, uh, where can people find this book? All right. So uh, this book is uh, it's available on Amazon. So if you just go on Amazon.ca.com, whatever um, 
country you're in. You just search "grow with your baby" and it will pop right up. And is there a way people can get a hold of you? Do you have like Instagram, Facebook? I, I don't know how you work. Yeah. So um, my Instagram is uh, Moin M O I N Z R, and uh, I just rebranded my uh, my books Instagram to the Grow with Moin podcast. So that's on there as well. And uh, that's where you can uh, basically reach out to me and uh, find out uh, what I'm doing, what I'm up to. Okay. Well, thank you, Moen, for so much. And our guest today was Moen Zafar. You can find his book on Amazon, and he's got a podcast coming soon, Grow With Moen. His book is called Grow With Your Baby, Seven Lessons on How to Embrace Change and Overcome Your Fears About Losing Your Personal Identity from an Unplanned Pregnancy. Great having you here, mate. Oh, no, uh, it was an honor being here. It was a great experience for me, and uh, thank you guys for having me. No problem. It was really fun. The views and opinions expressed on the podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the Jam Production Company, its affiliates, and or its partners.